All right, I want to jump into this brand new series uh, today. I have, I have some confessions that I need to make. Um, the, the first one, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. <clears throat> I need some help to try to, to illustrate it a, a little bit. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm trying to see... Um, Paul, would you help me out? Paul, would you, would you mind coming up? Would you grab, Paul, with you three chairs? Uh, I think there may be three chairs that may be in the sound booth. We'll give you just a moment if you want mine. And um, I'll tell you what, uh, let's see, who else would mind helping me out? Uh, Benny, would you help me out, man? Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm so glad you volunteered. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, and... Paul is getting three chairs. Thank you, man. Look, look, Paul's doing all the work. <laughs> he got his old chair, he said. And um, so, you know, as a, um, as a younger brother, I, I, I admit I used to be a pest. I used to be an annoyance to my older brother. My older brother is in the sound room, and I have to be very careful because he's got control of the sound. Uh, he just did, see? And... Uh, so as a younger brother, any younger brothers out there, you got some older brothers, and uh, uh, so I was a pest <laughs> to my older brother, and um, let's sit let's close, and um, Apostle Paul, if you'll sit right here, I call him Apostle Paul, and Benny, if you'll sit right here, and, and um, so this is when my brother, I, I was about 10, my brother was driving, so he must have been about 15, maybe I was 11, and, and our cousin was with us, and they're about the same age, you know. My cousin's a lot bigger than Benny. I mean, he was huge. And, um, and I, for some reason, they let me sit by the door. You know, I never got to sit by the door. And uh, we're in my brother's truck. Now, the, the kicker is it was a Datsun pickup truck. Does anybody know what a Datsun is? Okay, so we got to get together, guys. <laughs> so we were like this in this Datsun pickup. And uh, being the, the uh, pest that I was, I saw that we were coming up to a red light. And as we got closer to the red light, I had an idea, because I, I was always trying to get them. They always were trying to get me, too. So when we got closer to the red light, I did this. So nobody could see me. That made them look like a couple. And the whole time, my cousin was beating me in the leg, the whole time. <laughs> All right. Maybe you had to be, thank you all. Give them a big round of applause. That was just one confession. I have more confessions that are a whole lot more serious than that. But that's just one of those things that I just had to get off my chest. I was that kind of, kind of brat. <laughs> I want us to, in this series, I want to be talking about some things that, uh, that as a pastor, uh, I'm going to show you that I can identify with many of your struggles. As a pastor, we're not perfect. We don't live on the mountaintop. We live a real life. And so the many of the things that you struggle with are some of the things that we struggle with as a Christian. And I want us to look at the story of David and Goliath. And in that story, I see some things that, um, that I have to be careful of. You know, David had some giants that he had to fight long before he got before Goliath. Some of the things that he had to overcome, and I, and I can see in that story, there are some things that, there's some giants in my life that are not really apparent. Goliath was apparent. It could, he could be seen. But David had to overcome some other giants before he faced the apparent giant. 
And I see that in my life. There are some things that I have to be careful of. There are some giants that I have to face that can really take me down the wrong road. And I think by looking at things, you may be able to identify with some of them. If not, just pray for your pastor, okay? Let's look at that story and just to set it up. Uh, David's brothers are out on the battlefield on the front lines facing the Philistine army. Giant, the giant is Goliath, and he is really, really ridiculing the army of God. And David's father sends him to the front lines to check on the brothers to see how they're doing. And when David gets there, he sees that this uh, Philistine army is huge, but they have this Goliath, this giant, that is really ridiculing the children of Israel, really making the men fearful. And look, at this is, that sets it up. This is what David said. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? And David said this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So here you see uh, young David say, what, what's the matter, guys? I mean, who is this giant? His brother doesn't like it. Uh, this is what his brother said. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? Any younger brothers, that sounds like something the older brother would say, right? Why are you even here? And uh, he says, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So a typical older brother, younger brother kind of relationship. But he raises an interesting point, and this is, this is something that I have to confess that I have to be very careful with. My confession, number one, is sometimes I question my motives. I question my motives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. You're so good to us. Thank you for every person here today. Lord, you have such a great plan. Your blessings. With your head still bowed just for a moment. When they sung that song earlier, part of that song said, that, that which was dead uh, is taken in uh, life again. Okay? And I started to come up at that moment, but I didn't. But I want to address it now. Somebody, you've let your hope die. And I believe the Lord is going to breathe life to you again, your hope. Hope to you again. Father, would you do that now? Would you do that now? Would you do that for that person? Hope comes to you again. It's, it's, and you're going to feel it. I believe that. In the name of Jesus, let it happen now. Father God, would you speak to our heart? Church, would you pray with me, Lord? Speak to my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes I'm motivated by the wrong motives. A motive is the reason that you do something. I'm talking about the real reason that you do something. Not the reason that you may say that you do it. I'm talking about real reason. Motive has to do with your heart. If you're taking notes, your motives come from your heart, and your heart can mislead you. Proverbs says this, a heart is deceitful above all things. So wrong motives 
turn into wrong decisions. Wrong decisions turn into wrong actions. Wrong actions will turn into the wrong direction in life. The Lord's going to help us to deal with it. If there are any others that would struggle, that you would have to say, sometimes I may have the wrong motive, God is going to help us this morning. So important to get this right. Wrong motives can mislead you and deceive you. The Bible is clear. The Lord said that there will be those at the last day standing before the Lord saying, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? And the Bible says the Lord will look at them and say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. They thought they had it all together. They thought they were doing it right, but they had the wrong motive. So the Lord is going to help us today. I want to talk about wrong motive makers. Wrong motive makers. Let me give you this verse first. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. He sees the real reason. The scripture says that, that even when we get to heaven, the good works that we do for the Lord, they're going to be weighed out by the intent of the heart. The motive why we do what we do. So let me give you these wrong motive makers. There are three of them. The first one is this. This is a big one. Desire. Our desire drives us to do things, even things that are questionable. Revenge is a great example. The desire to get revenge. In television, when somebody gets murdered because of taking revenge, it said, what is the motive for murder? And usually revenge is a big one. And I've seen, I've seen uh, this one in relationships. Since you did this to me, I will do this to you. Not said in words, but in actions. Maybe since you did this to me, I won't do this for you. It can even creep into church. I'm talking about the desire for revenge. I, I know of a, a pastor who had a fabulous church. The church was growing. It was, man, it was just a move of God. And he was asked by a a former deacon, if he would do the wedding for his daughter, and uh, the pastor heard that there would be alcohol at the wedding. He said, no, I just don't feel comfortable with that. So the former deacon found a serving deacon that, had, that was a little disgruntled with the pastor, and they teamed up, and they helped turn some of the people in the church against the pastor and called for the, a vote to try to get the pastor voted out of the church. Wow. And the reason happened to be revenge. He didn't say that, but that was the motive of the heart. And when I have to be honest that when I do things for the Lord, I have to ask myself, what is my motive for doing this? Is, what's the real reason I do this? Is it to bring attention to me or is it to give the attention to the Lord where it belongs? What's the motive of my heart? Not what I say is the reason. Deep inside, what is the motive in my heart? So I have to ask you, do you have wrong desires that are causing you to have the wrong motives? I remember being a youth pastor. I had um, an altar. We had a powerful service and gave an altar response. And, and um, a little girl came up front. Other teenagers came up front, but a little girl came up front. And I noticed one of the teenage boys got real spiritual real fast. 
And he decided that he was spiritual enough to come up and pray for the little girl at the altar. And he was just touching her on her back, rubbing her back, <laughs> rubbing her. His desire was not to pray for the little girl. And I had to go and assist in that prayer meeting that they were having. Say the date time. It's says altar time. <laughs> Wrong motives. And we can say the right things, but man, your heart will tell you. Your heart will expose you. Here's another one. I covered this last week. Won't spend much time on it, but it's so big I have to mention it again. Pride. Pride is a wrong motive maker. Pride is the reason we do a lot of the things that we do because every one of us want to be acknowledged, accepted, and affirmed. Have you ever posted something on Facebook and say, that should have got more likes? Should have. Me and Patty have a competition. When it's, when it's one of our birthdays, I have to ask, how many, how many comments did you get for your birthday? And she usually gets more comments than me for her birthday. <laughs> Pride. Pride draws the attention to ourself. Look at what Jesus said. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When the attention is on me, the attention is away from God. But when the attention is on God, God gets the praise for it, and I get blessed for it. So we really have to be careful with pride. A young pastor, uh, excuse me, a young man told his pastor, he said, Pastor, God's called me to preach. I got a word, and I'm anointed. I got an anointed word. I want to preach a message. And uh, so the, the pastor heard him out, but didn't respond at the moment. And the young man came back about a week later. I told you, pastor, I'm called to preach. God has given me a word, and I can preach it. And the, the pastor noticing something in the, you know, it's one thing to be confident. It's another thing to be prideful. And so the, the pastor didn't respond yet. He was just sort of watching the young man. And the young man kept coming back. I told you I'm anointed. I'm anointed. So one Wednesday night, the pastor said, young man, it's your turn. Come on up. I'm going to have you preach today. So the young man got up, man. He threw his shoulders back, grabbed his Bible, came up front, put it on the pulpit, grabbed the microphone. And when he grabbed that mic and looked out at everybody, he realized, oh, this may be harder than I thought. Something happens when you get this microphone in your hand. <laughs> and um, he, he opened his, his message up and and he began to mispronounce a few words, and, and he got lost in place, and he began to sweat a little bit, and uh, his message began to fall apart, and, and he had about three or four pages. He said all he had in about five minutes, and he realized, ah, this is harder. And he sort of bowed his little head and slumped his shoulders and sort of walked off in defeat, <laughs> sat down by the pastor. The pastor said, young man, let me just tell you something. If you would have walked up to that pulpit the way you walked down from the pulpit, 
you would have walked down from that pulpit the way you walked up to that pulpit. What a, what a lesson. And in humility is when we experience God. The Bible says God opposes the prideful but gives grace to the humble. Pride doesn't get you anything from God. And we have to be very careful because we can, dis- we can cover up our pride. Our motive in our heart to be- can be to draw attention to ourselves, And we have to be careful with that. Make sure that God gets all the attention for what we do. Anything good in me only comes from the Lord. So pride is a big one that we have to be careful. And the next one should be in, the, in every message for every pastor across the United States. We can't quit talking about sin. Sin, and that's a wrong motive maker. I have heard some of the most ridiculous reasons people give to cover up their motive of sin. I have heard it. People leave the church because their real motive, if you watch their life afterward, is to live in sin. But they never come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm leaving the church because I want to live in sin. I haven't heard that one one time. I've seen it carried out now. I've seen it happen before, but I never heard it before. This is what, this is what the pastor hears. You want to know what the pastor hears? pastor hears this. Pastor, I'm leaving the church Because God is leading us to go somewhere else. And if you look at them later on, it looks like God led them to go to the recliner and watch TV on Sundays. I hear hear this, Pastor, (laughs) I'm leaving the church because I'm just not getting fed. And, And the real reason, if you watch the actions, now the motive, the real reason... They're not getting fed because they're looking at a different menu. And and the Bible says this, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. You can give whatever reason to justify what you do, but just give it time. It will show itself. The Bible says what what you do in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. So sin is a huge wrong motive maker. And I think if we're honest, all of us have had these things in our life. We've been tempted, we've given in to these things in our life. So let's talk about how do we make sure we have the right motive for what we do, the right motive makers. And there are three of those. I'm going to give them to you briefly. The first one is this. You've got to have a pure heart. A heart that wants to live for God. A pure heart is a right heart. And a right heart wants to please God. A pure heart will give you the right desires. The right desires give you the right motives. The right motives will give you the right actions. And the right actions put you in the right direction. I said it this morning uh, during the first service during praise and worship. All over again, I made a commitment to God that, God, I I want to do what you want me to do. Lord, whatever you say for me, that's what I want to do. And every one of us, not just the preacher, every one of us that belongs to the Lord, that should be our heart. Lord, I just want to please you. Lord, whatever it is, I want to do it. I don't want to do it if it doesn't please you. If it does please you, I want to do it. 
A pure heart will not mislead you. There are times where I've preached a message and I felt like sort of like that young man. And I've, I've uh, I, confession, I've repented. God, I'm sorry. Not because of the content of the message, the way I delivered it. It's like, Lord, that message was pitiful. I, don't even, I didn't even want to hear it myself. Forgive me. <laughs> but my heart was to give God glory. And my heart was to please the Lord. That's got to be our heart, a pure heart. Proverbs says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We said in the opening text that our heart can deceive you, but not a pure heart, not a heart that is pointing toward God to please God. It will not deceive you. It will keep you from the wrong motives. Here's another, an excellent way. Psalms 119 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So how do I make sure my heart doesn't deceive me? I have God's word hidden in my heart. Now hidden means not to be ashamed of. Another translation says, uh, I treasure your word. It's, it's, it's something that I value so much. I won't let other things take it away from me. It's a treasure, and I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm going to live by it. you got to be that way with God's word. It will keep your heart pure before God. Let me give you another right motive maker, and it is a godly love. And boy, don't we need to see godly love this day and time. A man goes to confession to talk to the pastor. He said, Pastor, or Father, excuse me, the priest, <laughs> we're going Catholic. Father, my wife is hateful and mean, and I have no loving feelings <laughs> toward her at all. And I even think she's poisoning me. Then don't look at your wife or your husband right now. The priest was very surprised by this and says, give me her name and I'll call her up and talk to her. And um, I'll see what I can find out and let you know. So a week later, the priest calls the man and says, I, I spoke to your wife on the phone. I talked to her for three hours. And you want my advice? The man desperately says, yes, priest, please, father, please. The priest re responded, just take the poison. But we're talking about a godly love, and a godly love comes from God. It's called agape love. It's the highest form of love. It's the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. And you and I cannot generate that kind of love. It doesn't matter how fond you are to your spouse. Your love is not enough. We need God's love. It's the most mature love. It is from God. It's a perfect love. And if you will receive it from God, he'll give it to you. You can walk in that love and give that love because he gives it to you. First John says this, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Talking about agape love. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So, dear friends, since God so loved us, we, all, we also ought to love one another. 
It is God's love in us. And if God's love is, the, if you have God's love, your motive is going to be pure. If you have God's love, you don't have to worry about breaking the Ten Commandments. Because they're based on love for God and God's love toward others. All of those commandments are based on love for God and God's love toward others. And Jesus said it this way. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he talks about that's God's love for your neighbor because you receive it from God. You can love your neighbor. Me and you may disagree on a lot of things, but if you're a Christian, we should have godly love one for another. And if that is our motive, we, I mean, if that is in our heart, we don't have to worry about our motives. A godly love is a powerful right motive maker. I'm going to give you the last one, and we're going to pray. Let me give you this verse first. It's a good one. I'm so glad for these screens. Most of all, let love guide your life. For then the whole church will stay together in perfect harmony. And move church, I told everybody here the first service, I'll tell you also, thank you for being a loving church. It makes it such a pleasure to pastor you. When we have love one for another, we may look different, we may have some different interests, we may even think different sometimes theologically, but when you love God and love each other, the church can have harmony and God's presence can show up in the place. Amen? And that's the place I want to be. Would you stand for this last one? Pastor, you finishing up early. Yeah, I ain't through yet. But I've been doing good. I did good the first service. I think I'm going to hit it this day. If you look around, see how many more minutes I got? Everybody turn around and look. Seven minutes and 34 seconds. That's even before I pray the closing. The last one is this. And I'm so thankful again. I think our church really, we, we strive with this one. It's the right purpose. Paul does a lot of writing to the churches that he helped plant, uh, having new Gentile believers uh, coming to faith in Christ, Paul taught them about, it's not about works, it's about faith. Now, your faith will affect your works, right? But you can't earn salvation. And Paul is teaching them this. Well, many of the Jewish believers had a hard time with this because they were given the law. And the, the law require them to do certain things and not do certain things. So there were, in, in Corinthians, there was a dispute about what foods, what kind of foods to eat. And some food that may, they might have been sacrificed to an idol but then sold. And, and the, so some of the old line Jewish believers thought, we cannot eat that food. And, and Paul is just trying to teach them that, hey, it's about faith. And um, he was trying to, not, not to, I'm confusing my, myself. So, but anyway, he was trying to clarify, it's my faith. And if you don't understand that the food was sacrificed to an idol, eat it anyway, give God praise for it. Now, this does have something a lot, uh, uh, so important for us this day and time. Because, again, there may be some things, I, I, have, I have some people that are close to me that believe that we may go through part of the tribulation before Jesus comes. I personally believe we're going to leave before that. 
I believe the church will face some hard times. Christians will face a hard time. But I believe that we may, we're going to be raptured first, then the tribulation. And the reason why I mention that is it really don't matter as long as you go in when he comes. And so there are things like that, that that we may disagree on, but this is one thing we better agree on. It's the right motive maker to give God the glory. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything that you do, make sure your right purpose is to give God glory. No, no matter what you do, it has to be to give God glory. Glory, And that should be our passionate purpose. That should be the reason that we do everything. And when your motive is to give God glory, your desire will, to have, will be to have a pure heart. Your desire will be to give God praise and trying to take, instead of falling prey to pride, it will be pointed toward God. And this is for every one of us as believers. We should make sure our hearts pointed toward God. We should make sure all the praise is pointed toward God, not to us. And we should make sure that our life is lived out to give him glory. I just believe many times during worship, you'll see me sometimes, I just like to point a finger to the Lord. Just to remind myself, it's his glory. It's his goodness. I am nothing without him. He's the only answer I got. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, I think sort of sums it up. He said, let your light shine before others so they can notice you. No. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see your life. Your desire to do good, and we should, is all for his glory. Amen. Would you bow your head with me, please? Our take home this week is just to pray. Ask the Lord to show you any wrong motives of your heart. God, is there some things in my heart that uh, I've justified, and even my words, I've, I've covered them, but it's the real reasons. Ask him to show you that. He will if you ask him. Say, Lord, I want a pure heart before you. Lord, I don't want to be misled. I don't want to go the wrong direction. God, I want to come close to you. I want to give you the glory in my life. If there's sin, repent from that. It's taking you away from God. I want to say a prayer with you, a commitment prayer. And um, again, these are things that I have to be careful with. That motive, I have to constantly question. God, am I doing this for you or am I doing it for, for me? And I want to lead us all in a prayer of commitment, a prayer of Say, God, I just want you to forgive me, and I want a pure heart before you. And if you need to make this prayer yours, I'll give you the words you give God your heart. If you're watching online, God knows exactly where you are, and he hears you. So we're going to pray it together as a church. Church, let's pray it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Would you forgive me for all my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? And I'm going to do my best 
to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads bowed just for a moment. You say, Pastor, I needed that prayer today. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? I needed that today. The Lord heard you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. Now, Lord, you're going to help all of us this week to spend time with you, to really, Lord, if there's things in our life that's leading us in the wrong direction, we have those wrong motives, you're going to show us what they are, Lord God, and you're going to help us to do it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I asked this question in closing at the first service, and um, you know, during this time, uh, for, for many people, it's been difficult, but we've been praying for streams in the desert, that even during this time where the economy, for many people, it's, it's hard, and some people lost their jobs, but we've been praying that God's people that put him first in their life, in their giving, that God just blesses us even more so. And I asked during the first service, how many of you have seen increase uh, even during this hard time? I mean, in, personal increase. And I had them raise their hand. I'm going to ask you to do the same. You've seen increase. Now, I want you to look around, please. And let's give God the glory for that. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I mean, increase. Isn't that amazing? Increase even during a hard time. And we give God all the glory for that. And um, so I like to close with a prayer of Jabez. I like to pray that over you. As a blessing, we pray it every day before we leave the house. Nick can call us usually on the phone. If you don't call us, we pray it for him anyway. But he calls us, and we close, we, before we hang up, we pray. I pray the prayer of Jabez over my family every day. Because that's a prayer the Bible says God answered Jabez's prayer. And I also know another scripture that says God is not a respecter of persons. So if God did it for him, he is going to do it for me. And we have seen it. We really have. So I want to pray that over you. I want you to receive that. If you want to give, you can do so. If you're a guest, we don't expect anything from you. If you are a tither, you can do it in the box, uh, in the black box back there. You can give it online. You can give it through the app. Get that church app, y'all. We send notifications to keep you notified. So uh, there's, if you don't have the link, if you'll look on the um, welcome table. Do we have any more handouts, Brother Jimmy? They're on one of those handouts on the back. Get that church out. All right, if you want to see, receive the prayer of Jabez, just raise your hand. Father, I pray you bless us indeed. I pray you would give us more than we need so we can be a blessing. Enlarge our territory, our influence. Help us to be mission-minded and not maintenance-minded. Fill us with your presence. We need you, Holy Spirit. Lead, guide, and direct us. Lord, expose any wrong motives. Lord, and protect us from the enemy. Keep us from his schemes, from sin, from sickness, and from COVID. And Lord, we thank you. You did it for Jabez. You'll do it for us. And we receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, God bless you.